0: amante with matchroom radio episode 72 we're here in the steel city of sheffield england and we just finished the official weigh in for a big fight taking place here um world championship box we've got two world title fights and um we just finished the weigh-in there's a little construction outside so if you hear some banging that's what that is but i have a wonderful guest with me today and i'm very honored to be sitting here uh with great former fighter cruiserweight heavyweight fighter and an incredible trainer Mr. Jonathan Banks, great to see you, man. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time to join us, man. It is lovely you. to see you. How you doing, man? I'm
1: good, man. First of all, thank you for having me. It's Absolutely. A, it's a pleasure to be to sit here in front of you, on the side of you, brother. But uh, I'm great. Yeah,
0: I'm great. All right. And and you're not a stranger to England. You've you've been here before. As an
1: amateur, you fought here, yeah? I've been coming here since the 90s, so. Okay. Yeah, I've been coming here um, since the... Well, I the last time I was here in the nineties, the dollar was over the pound. Yeah, but that was the last time. We know it's a dollar, long time if the dollar the was last time the dollar been over <laughs> the pound. But you know, it's always a pleasure to come <laughs> to England.
0: Absolutely, you know, so many people know you as this great trainer, and we're definitely gonna get into that. But as I just alluded, you fought here as an amateur, and a lot of people don't know you're a hell of a fighter. And even as an amateur, three-time amateur national champion.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, we we fought at the um, we stayed at the Crystal Palace, here, <laughs> well, down in London. It was a crystal, it's Crystal Gardens rather, and um, but it was it was it was um, it was a great stay, amazing. But I had a lot of times, good times in the amateurs as well as pros, man. So, boxing, is such a wonderful sport. It's literally took me, all around the world. So, you know, when it comes to the proceeds of boxing. I have no complaints about it. You know, you grew up in a suburb of Detroit,
0: Southfield, Michigan. Actually, no, no. Yeah. Okay, I grew I up in Southwest Detroit. South... Oh, you, know, you grew up I in was Detroit. Born. I was ah, born. Okay.
1: The hospital that my mother went to. I was born in um, in Providence Hospital. Okay. So that's in Southfield. Okay. So you were born there, but yeah, you grew yeah. up in Detroit. Yeah, right. Because that's the, that was the one the best at the time. That was literally one of the best hospitals around. So uh, me and a lot of other my siblings, even some of my nieces was born in uh, Providence Hospital.
0: That makes sense. Um, I wanted to touch on that because you do come from a big family. Yeah. A lot of brothers, sisters.
1: Yeah, I had um, six sisters, three brothers. Well, not half, half. I have six sisters, three brothers. And, um, you know, nothing luxurious. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> you what know, do you mean uh, by that? Nothing luxurious. I mean, you mean you, growing up or now? What do you mean? No, even even growing up, we had good times, right? But yeah, I mean, we was broke, <laughs> you know. But you know, we had still, <laughs> like, still, we we found ways to to entertain ourselves. We found ways to appreciate the little things. Absolutely. Know? So I um. I tell one of the similar stories all the time. I, I just, I remember um, my mother kept having to make hard decisions, whether I was going to feed the children, whether I was going to pay the car down. Yeah. So she kept, choosing, she kept choosing to feed the children. So eventually, you know, of a came and got the car. And I told her, I used to tell her all the time, I said, Mom, I'm telling you, when I grow up one day, I'm going to stop boxing and I'm going to get you a car. She said, oh, that's nice, but <laughs> we got to figure out what we're going to do now. Yeah, that was that, But that was always my mindset is to, you know, when I think the natural, it's a natural human experience when someone, when you see someone fighting so hard to do for you over and over again, that you, you only, your goal is to always um, pay that forward. If you can somehow, you can never pay it back, but somehow pay it forward. So that's, that was always my my goal and determination to do. A lot of people
0: say boxing is a hunger sport. Now, do you believe that, especially coming from the background you did, like you said, being broke, it made you hungrier to want to wanna
1: do good for the family. Do you think a lot of the drive came from that? I'm going to say, for me personally, I'm going to say yes. But to answer the question, is boxing a hunger sport? I'm going to say yes and no, because you have to put it in the proper context of what you're hungry for. I think boxing is more of a competitive sport than is a hunger sport, because you got some people who grew up and never wanted nothing in their whole life. They got everything they wanted, and they're, but they're so competitive and they drive is so focused that they still get into boxing, they still become world champion, and they still could dominate the sport. So I don't think the hunger, as far as growing up in certain environments, makes you, um, made specially made for boxing. Because it could be it could be either or. You know, you could come from a nice middle class family, never really struggled, never really had any type of poverty, and you still had the desire to make it, to make an achievements. You know, in, in your in your life. So that's even. With me, I, and I teach these kids about, um, and as far as though, especially amateur, I teach them about being able to overcome certain obstacles. I said, um, obstacles, certain obstacles come to you given to your environment. But at the same time, ob- obstacles come to us all in so many different variations and ways. So to be able to overcome them is an achievement in itself. You know, whether it's going straight home and not doing nothing that you know you shouldn't do, you know, that's sometimes those are obstacles that you gotta that you have to overcome. So to go back to the previous the first question, it's not necessarily meaning you go up you grew up in poverty. That's not gonna make you a better fighter. Nor so more so with you you growing up in a it would have you born with a silver your I was going to make you a great businessman. I absolutely love your
0: answer because I think it's, first of all, it's 100% correct. Number two, I think it's one of the reasons why you are one of the most sought-after trainers because you know, obviously, the, the, the X's and O's of boxing, that's one thing. But the mental part of it and understanding people and fighters and just people in general and the mentality of, of it. Uh, is so huge, and you're absolutely right. You know what are you hungry for? Exactly. Right? What are you hungry for? And that's what you just said. It was deep, and and I absolutely agree with you because there's some guys that whether they grow up uh, poor or not, uh, uh, money wise, they might have the skill, but they don't have that hunger to be great. And it is a competitive sport. You need to impose your will on another man, or a, a, a woman opposing on a woman, as in this weekend with Cecilia Brack, who's exactly. versus Terry Harper, exactly right? So um, I, I absolutely love what you said. I think you're absolutely right. Now, a lot of people, because you're a big guy, right? And you fought a uh, cruiser, you fought heavyweight, but you didn't grow up like that. You was you was small and you were
1: skinny, right? <laughs> Yeah, hard, my, hard for people
0: to imagine my, that, but you were, right? My
1: first fight was at 147. There you go. You know, <laughs> uh, my first fight, my first two fights, I'm sorry, because <laughs> I entered the Golden Gloves at the time. I started off at Brewster Center. So if anybody knows anything about the history of boxing in Detroit, Joe Lewis, Ray Robinson, and Emmanuel Stewart started off boxing in Brewster Center. And that's one of the James Tyson trained at when he came to Detroit, was Brewster Center. And um, that's where I started that. How old were you? I was 14. Okay. So this was... But can we, can we
0: put press pause? I want to go back to this.
1: But let's even go even... When was the first... Was
0: it in the street? Was it with your brothers and sisters? How did... How? Wh- how where did the love of boxing
1: and how did you even get to the gym? I was born with the love of boxing. Like, I will Listen, you might not believe this. A lot of people... A lot, a lot of people don't believe this. But I would literally run home from school because I didn't want to fight. I just wanted the box, so in the neighborhood, like when you like they people just go pick on you, just because I was always a quiet kid, I was a quiet, shy, whatever. But they I would always get picked on, cause I but I would take off running. I would just I would just run either to the bus stop, not because you were scared. I run home. I wasn't scared, but then one of my friend of mine said, "Like hey, Jonathan, you do realize why they're chasing you?" I said, "Why?" He said, because they think you scared because you keep running. I said, what? That's right. when you said, said "Well, I said, I'm not scared, either. Right. And um, it was four guys. I'll never forget today. I was on the uh, playground, and I was I was talking. I just seen two, two of my friends. They just scattered. And I'm in the corner, and them four guys are in front of me. <laughs> and they like, OK, you don't got nowhere to run now. So obviously, you're back against the wall. They assume that I was afraid to fight. But I was never afraid to fight. You know, I just didn't want to. I wanted to box, I want to fight, I want to fight the street, I want to box. But I fought them, and I seen when I, the, uh, like when I started hitting them, they start falling. And I, and I started smiling, <laughs> I started smiling. But it never made me want to fight outside of. Sure. Um, in the streets. And the only time I fought in the streets when I, and I felt that I had to. You, you had to, yeah, that of course. That's the only time I, re- that I really did it. But I didn't really get started until, um, like I say, to 96, Till I was on 14. But when did you first see boxing? Was it on TV? When I first, I, I don't remember seeing it. I just remember dreaming about it. You loved it. I always dreamed about it. I said, I want a box, I want to box. And then when I seen the first fighter, I remember watching. I was watching with my with my grandfather, my mother's father. I was watching Joe Lewis. Oh, man, one of the all-time he was, great heavyweights. He was watching Joe Lewis, and I fell in love with everything about Joe Lewis. And then um, my trainer at the time gave me a tape of he fought Muhammad Ali, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, he told me, he said, Muhammad Ali, he was like, the, he said, it was like the mayor going against the president. Yeah. He said, Muhammad Ali was outside my room the morning of the fight, shot a boxing dance. I said, Are you going down tonight, sucker? He said, <laughs> He said, It was the most insane thing. He said, What fighter does that? He said, Wow. He said, What is wrong with him? You know, um so boxing is just something that just been that's been in me. Something I always wanted to do. And um it was like other sports I played here, yeah, but boxing is the only sport I ever really loved. So now let's go to where that's unpaused. So you are Brewster, fourteen. Yeah. You get to the gym. Get to the gym, and um, the trainer. This is now. This is the east side of Detroit. You know, this is Brewster Projects, Aretha Franklin. A lot of a lot of Motown stars come from Brewster Projects. You know what I'm saying? So this is the, this is the east side of the city. So um, I like keep in mind, I'm in enemy territory because I grew up in Southwest. I didn't grow up on the East, you know, but I still got I got a lot. Like I come from a huge family. I got a lot of um, um, cousins, this and that. So everywhere. So I met Brewster Center and I start the first couple of days of boxing. start learning how to box. And the coach, every time he asked me something, I would shake my head. He said, you want to do this or do like this? And he started start yelling at me. He said, you better open your mouth and asking me. So I'm like, yes, I was very, according to him, I was very soft-spoken, okay. you know, but when I had the opportunity to start sparring, like, I just went in there and did, what he, did whatever he told me to do. And he seen that I was serious when it comes to boxing. And he like, you know what, the gun Glove's coming up. You wanna fight in it? And I was very soft-spoken, I said, yes. He said, you sure? I'm sure, you want to fight the Golden Gloves? I'm like, yeah. So at the time, the Golden Gloves was a huge tournament. Sure, they would have a show every weekend. Prestigious too. Yeah, they have a show every weekend. The Detroit Golden Gloves was huge. They have a show, they had four shows. Show every weekend. The last two shows would be the semifinals and the finals. So, um, and that's what I fought. I ended up getting the whatever. I ended up fighting the last two shows. And um, that's how I ended up winning the Golden Gloves. I was two and zero. I was two and o with two knockouts. You know, so I was when I the first fight. I would we had to go across to Canada, and um, I think the third round I ended up not going to do that. And the second fight for the championship, I think the second round or something, I ended up not going to do that. So I was two and zero. And Emmanuel asked, like, who was that? What was that? One forty seven kid that won the Golden Gloves. And that's when I first met Emmanuel,
0: and that took me to my next question. I was gonna say, when did you first yeah, meet? That's when, first, Stewart? that's when I first. That's when I first met him.
1: Me. Yeah, rest in peace. That's when I first met Emmanuel Stewart, and um, it's just been. It it was like a. It was like it wasn't like a roller coaster ride, but it was it was like one of those just one of those good times because I was going down the crunk. For spawn, I wasn't a part of crunk yet, but about a year later. I ended up joining Emmanuel's amateur program down at Crump. And um that's when that's when they, I just started I was around him more. Um and everything just started flowing together. It was like um to me it was like a dream come true. You know, because when I first went down to Crump, I was still fourteen and I got my first black eye from um, Tommy Heron. I used to tell him I, I I was talking to him a couple of months ago and I'll tell him I always tell him the same story. as said, Tommy, what do you talking about? You my man, you gave me my first black eye. <laughs> I got home, my mama tried to put ice on and said, Mama, please don't touch this. Tommy gave this to Tommy me. Tommy gave this to me. He said, You told the to wear that around? It's I said, Yeah, i to around. That's a badge of I said honor. he just he only thing he did was use this job. The hit man. Oh my goodness, but it was it was a um, for me, it was always no matter what you did, it was always higher you wanted to go because the people around you, there was achievement stuff. Yes. You know, people like Tommy Hearns, too, like Milt McCord. Lennox Lewis. T- Lennox Lewis. You know, t- Lewis, um, you know even, oh, um, uh, there's so many, uh, Michael Moore, so many of them that was down there in Detroit um, that, was, that was fighting, winning titles that. You know, it was always, it was, was had the sense of achievement. At and you guys time, just spurred each other on. Yes, everybody that came, all the kids that came down to that gym had a sense of urgency that wanted to achieve something. They said, you know okay, how long it take? I'm going to be out here because if they did it, you know, I can do it. You know, so that was the um, the beauty of what um, E. Magnus Stewart was able to create. The legend, the
0: legend is that the original crunk they had, they it was hot as as the
1: dickens in there it was always hot no matter what never, winter summer, summer winter, spring fall it didn't was matter. hot 110 degrees <laughs> easy 110 degrees easy every single day get you comfortable in that uncomfortable that you got like, it got to the point where everybody was comfortable being uncomfortable and like you couldn't take nobody nowhere and just force them to be uncomfortable cuz they were so comfortable with the uncomfortable but that was more so for me. How that translated to a lot of things in life—it just forced you to be to be able to perform under. That's right. Under, under pressure, because whether it's whether you a child taking a test in school, so you, so you got to focus, you got to blah blah everything and focus. That's what you had to do in that gym. You had to forget about the heat and focus on your your um your your motive, your goals and stuff. So that was, to me, that was the beauty about being able to be in that gym. So me personally, I will forever be fortunate to be able to say that I was able to be in that gym and I was a part of um, the program that Emmanuel Stu was able
0: to do. Well, it's such an important part for boxing, and even now, because the coaching tree continues. Because um, when Manny passed in 2012, you took over uh, training duties with Vladimir, with uh, Vladimir Klitschko and you've gone untrained, I mean, all from triple G to Badu Jack, Dillian White, uh, Cecilia Brack, who so, is so many different fighters. Um, and I just, it's, I do believe the greatness comes through, you know, it's a, I, you know, we call it a coaching tree and, uh, and, and you have,
1: you know, that in you. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. I just, I'm just. I'm always I I look at it like this. Um, I'm always humbled to the fact that if anybody equate me, me, Krogan, Emmanuel, all in one sentence, I'm that's a very humbling thing for me. And if they and if for me to be able to have some success at it as well, um, I, I tell people all the time like that. They're like, man, what do you do? Tell me something about you. What do you do? I said I can't tell you what Jonathan does because if it was up to Jonathan, he probably never would have started training over. It. You know, but I said I'm literally everything I do is so focused on pouring water on the seed that he managed to plant it to allow to allow his legacy to continue. For a lot of people that don't realize. For something to continue, it must grow. Yeah, absolutely. And in order for it to grow, it must have sunlight, and you must water it. You know, and that's always been, even that's always been my goal. That um, that this man put such a hair, such a legacy, and it basically almost like a chokehold in this sport. That everything I do, I I'm, that's why I'm so careful of what I do, who I'm with, and how I proceed in the sport. Cause I want, I would like for everything that I do to be able to continue to pour water on the seed that he planted. You even, I've heard you say that Emmanuel taught you
0: how to shave. You weren't that close with your pops, I suppose. <laughs> I
1: mean, no, honestly I wasn't, but I mean, we cool, that's my man. I have nothing, nothing You're against cool him. You cool your dad now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing against him, but I I don't know if he just didn't want to show me or didn't he show me and show my brothers. I, I don't know. You know, I never I never even asked a lot. You know, I was just I was just um always appreciative of the quality time I was able to uh, spend with him man. Always. Absolutely. So let's talk about your fighting career a bit. I mean,
0: you won the IBO World title. Yeah. Um and then after that you moved up to well you lost to was it Adamac? Adamac. Tough fighter, man. Tough fighter. Tough fighter. Tough chan too. Tough fighter, man. I, I was always a big fan of, of Tomas Adamac. Yeah, same man. But he but he same was in that one. weird, you know, which they call Bridgerweight now, which you know because right, you would yeah, you would it's, Badu. Right. It's but Bridgerweight. He was, you know, he was a little big for cruiser but a little small for yeah, heavyweight. Exactly. Exactly. Um but he was a really quality fighter, and then you moved up to heavyweight. Yeah, I moved up to heavyweight. Two thousand nine. Did you feel more comfortable a cruiser than heavy, or did I felt you feel more
1: comfortable you? with heavyweight? Because cruiserweight was like, like when I started at cruiserweight, um, it was like the weight was like one ninety. Yep. Everybody was comfortable with one ninety, and I imagine made all my contracts. It had to be one ninety because I was too, I was, I couldn't, I wouldn't walk around at 200. So when I grew into the 200, um, he made all my contracts, okay, it's 200, 200 is fine. But I just, I felt like I just kept, it was still growing. So I was like, I was a good 210. And it would be, the hardest thing to do was to lose those 10 pounds, you know? And Cruiserweight um, was, was just like, even with the fight with um the Adamac, I told my brother, I said, listen, man. I said, I got four rounds in me. I don't stop him or knock him down or hurt him. I said, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. He said, because I, I said, I haven't eaten. I said, I barely eaten. I don't have no appetite. I said, I just, I just wait, making that, that old school way of making weight. If I had the new school way, then, you know, like the how they, how they? You don't have to starve yourself. You don't have to go in the sauna. You don't have to do this. There's a lot of things that, because of technology, that you don't have to go through anymore, which is which is awesome, you know. But those were, no, nobody had the knowledge of that back then at those times. When you decided to
0: finally hang the gloves up, what was that decision like?
1: I never, I I, I never had that discussion, honestly. So how did it happen? I, I know you fought Seth twice, Seth Mitchell. Uh, once he appointed me to train Vladimir, um, it got to the point where me and Tom talking all the time. I like, listen, uh, he said, well, we got to postpone this fight because Vladimir got to be in camp. And then I end up getting, then uh, I end up starting training Cecilia. I said, well, right after that, I can go on the camp. He said, no, Cecilia got to fight right after that. Then I had Dylan White, I had them three all at the same time. But I Dylan White, and they all was in the... We had all of them in the, in one camp together. And it was just, it was being too much. I said, I can't keep, I can't keep doing this. I'm stretching myself. So then it got so to the point you just kind of where, evolved into a it, trainer. Exactly. It got to the point where I had no time, literally no time for myself. And, um, I had no idea. I was always thinking why he wrap his hands, why he man wrap his hands, and I found out the hard way. Because after all this time, heavy, heavy men punching on your hands, then I'm going to fight. As soon as I throw a punch, now my hands are starting to hurt, and they starting to be hurt faster because, and if they, if they hands wasn't hurt because they wasn't fighting at the time, mm. you know I'm still trying to knock somebody out, and you know my hands is not holding up like they need to be because I'm not doing. The necessary things I should do to keep strengthening them, but I didn't know I should have done it. You know, so um I just say, "You know what? Right now, I think this is gonna be a short while. I'm gonna train Vladimir, and I'm gonna train these fighters. And once they finish, then once, once go I back. get a lead, that way. was the point. I get a little wrong, huh. then I go back because I, I still, I still got some unfinished business. I, I still got, you know, that's what I always say to myself. But the longer I went without fighting, the more fighters start approaching me. So I'm like, you know, this may be what I'm meant to do. Because I'm able to I'm able to basically get a hold to a lot more people. I'm able to be around a lot of a lot of amateur boxers, a lot of kids, and it's it's really it's really a a meaningful thing to be able to um give somebody opportunity to to not, it's not, boxing is just the stage, but I use it as the stage, because that's the stage I'm on. I use it as the, I use that to be able to get the kids in the door and teach discipline and teach um, basically self-control. Life skills, life skills. Those are, both of those are life skills. And how to conduct yourself like a man, which is what you do. Exactly. In and out of the ring. And and, then that's the goal, so. Like right now, my foundation, Jonathan Banks Foundation in the process, we already have the property in the process of, we want to build a community center in the city of Detroit. And the reason we want to do this is um, we want to be, we want to have an outreach program in there so people in the community could come in there. If they need, whatever it is they need, they need information for this or that, I think that'd be important and also, um, the goal is to partner up with the um, police athletic league because I personally want to strengthen the the relationship with the police in the inner city because when I first my first run in with the cops was was horrible, you know I think I was like maybe twelve or thirteen and they threw me on the car put the gun on me saying my fit the description of whatever, whatever whatever the the our interactions with the cops was always horrible, but. I feel that if the cops can start seeing these regular citizens as people, people start seeing the cops as people, then the relationships, a relationship can form. You know, if you're in the gym with somebody you see all the time, then you see them on the side of the road, you will start and say, hey, hey, you need some help. You know, it's a relationship Um, started to form when you start familiarize yourself with each other. But the first time, and the only time you see somebody is in the and when the in the in time of crisis, you only know them in a the crisis moment. You don't know them for nothing else. All they are to you is crisis people. You don't know them for nothing else. You don't know them as a, they can be a helping hand. You
0: are speaking such truth, Jonathan. And what you're saying is it couldn't be closer to the truth. I mean, I've seen it a lot in Brooklyn and a lot of the, the police officers, they're not from the neighborhood. And so they don't know the people in the neighborhood. They only know them, like you said, in crisis or in trouble. And when something happens, they're quick to, you know. Of course. And um, and I don't blame them because they're, they're, they're trying to come back to their families. They just, and to, they have well, a hard yeah, job.
1: That's what I'm saying. But, most, but, most but them, when you, you have guys like that. Teddy yeah. Atlas
0: and Patty Russo with the New York City cops and kids, where the police are training kids, they're making great champions out of there, and it's a community thing, and guys start to... They start to know each and have regular interactions. It's just much better for both parties. I agree. And you are just nail on the head. I love that. And I think that's wonderful. I a hundred percent agree. So and that's great. You know, it, there's something that, um, you said, and, uh, I, I don't think you were the first to say it and I, it's something I say all the time, not necessarily about boxing, although just throughout life, but um talking about a rhythm of things. And um, I guess what Sugar Ray Robinson said, there's a rhythm to it, something like that. And you like to say there's a rhythm to the fighting. And how do you, when you get different, first of all, how do you choose a fighter to take on? Okay, maybe not amateur, those are you know local guys. But let's say a, 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 a high-level professional comes to you. Or, or even not a high-level professional, but someone that wants you—they want you to train them. How do you decide to take on a fighter, and how do you try to instill your rhythm or understand their rhythm
1: and get it in tune? Um, I put it like this: Is I, I'm, I'm. If somebody contacts me, then they pretty much sure that if, if they contact me. Then they are pretty much sure I'm the guy they want already. Buddy, so uh, because otherwise there's so many other people out there that they don't they don't have to call. I look at myself as little old me. They don't have to call little old me. Okay, you know they can call anybody. So if they contact me and want to have a conversation with me about training them, the first thing to do, uh, it, even for me, this is how I was taught. The first thing to do is first let's have a conversation. Let's let's find out what exactly do you want, you know what? What is your expectations of this? What What do you want? Oh, I just want to work out to see if we got the same rhythm. I said, well, in that process, um, I can I can basically do my thing according to what I see, right? Oh yeah yeah yeah. As long as I can do that, we go to you know because obviously I already studied the person. I see exactly. I see exactly where they can improve that and stuff like that. So, and and that's the that's the process we take and we take it from there. And the goal is, um, I see already by looking at the footage, if I can what I can do the jail with the with the fighter. And as soon as I as soon as we get in the ring, it's gonna it's usually not. It never, uh, it never not happened like I thought it was gonna happen. And I, I always jail with the fighter exactly how I thought I was gonna jail with him because I already seen what I need to do, you know. And um, some of them be like, "Man, listen, all that movement not necessary." I said, "Okay." I said, "Just," I said, "Just go with me for a minute. Just try it." And once they see the benefit of it, now that, that's when they start biting into it and saying, "You know what?" Yeah, let's do more of this. Let's do this. I wanna do this. I wanna do that. And because it, like it's like a um, it's like a um, it's like a child. You just start in kindergarten, but you work with the child at home. You work with the child at home. So, and when they start going over certain things, it's familiar with them. And now they wanna learn more. Right. So now you spark in the thought process. You're starting that engine all over again, and that's what usually is with fighters. It's not just um, basic here, there. Okay, now let's go. Well, it's something to open up, open up their minds so they so they can become thinkers like this. Pique their curiosity, you know, make them want more. Exactly, because they have to want more in order to be able to, to stay in this. Mm-hmm. It's something they have to continue to want to stay in this and and to go through this process round after round after round. When you fighting for your, to save your career, every fight is a savior for your career. So you, you're you fighting and you gotta constantly be able to think, react, 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 react. So that's part of the, um, for me, that's part of the process of that rhythm. Because when you start moving, your mind start going. And as you start, as your mind start going, um. You start coming up with things. You start accepting things. You start just going along with certain things, and it makes you. It makes you a better student. And as you move, everybody. Some people move slower than others, but it's all movement. As you move, you start to realize who you are as an individual, and it helps you in in that ring. It helps you as a fighter. It helps you in and almost every aspect. Do you find that you learn also from your students? I learn every, every day. Every day for me, my goal is to learn something. And he might, the lady might still always say it, I learn a lot from my fighters. That's what he always say. And it's true. If you, if you really pay attention, because it's another human, you learn a lot from other. Everybody's reaction is not the same, but that'll make their reaction wrong, because it's different than yours. Every variety, everyone has a different reaction. You know, and if being taught right, um one one action can go into another if being if being taught the right way and that's all, that's the beauty of um, of this sport and why I love it so Do you find it hard
0: because you've had quite a lot of fighters that have obviously been with other trainers and legendary trainers, do you find it hard to take on a fighter after that or not so much?
1: The easiest, does it does it pose more of a challenge? Uh, the easiest fighter that I trained was Vladimir, because I already knew... hold, hold on. So just so you know, this is the third Klitschko brother. This right. JB exactly. is known as the third Klitschko brother, exactly. right here. So right, that Vladimir was the easiest because I was like, I was right there when might was working with him. Right. So you know, um, it was right. It was it right. Was seamless. He, he already yeah. bought into sure, and Emmanuel's rhythm. not
0: going to ask anyone to just it's help like, him with right.
1: He he already bought into the rhythm, right, the the punches and all this other stuff. He already bought into it, so that was the easiest thing to do. But every uh, other fighters get getting them to move more is almost like you know. It's, I'm not going to say it's, it was like pulling teeth but it came more so through conversation. They would look, we got to talk about this. Um, this is what I think, this is here, this is there. You know, and uh, I, I remember, um, again, going back to Vladimir, I used to um, send him different different fights. He said, uh, he said, why you want me to put my hands like this because this and that, and I will show him examples that, um, that I already knew to show him because he, the things that many mice the lady managed to talked about so um i would send him video footage of different fighters that from a different era that they did certain things they did one or two things similar that how i wanted things to go and he's like oh you know what i get it he said why why man, he never showed me this i need to see more of this i'm like oh you know okay i said i don't know why maybe maybe he told you you just didn't hear. maybe he did i don't know you know so just things like that but being able to connect with a fighter, and if that fighter believes in you, then it's amazing the work that you, you can put together and out what you can get out of the fighter. Like this, um, even going back to like who I'm dealing with now, Cecilia. Me and Cecilia had a lot of success together. You know, she was um undisputed waterway champion for the long for the longest time. She um she was the first to ever do it. And then she left, and she ended up losing two fights. And um, me and Tom had a conversation. He called Tom Lawler, by the way, is who he's Laufler. talking about. And big shout-out to Tom Lawler, is yeah. right off camera right. right here. We had a conversation. He asked me, will I be interested in training her again? And um, I said the interest is there, but I would need to talk to her because um, I just needed a conversation with her to see where her head was at. Are you just looking for payback or do you really want to get back? Do you really want to win? Right. You know what I'm saying? If you now nah, if you just looking for payback, I'm not the right one for you. Sure. But if you looking to get back, if you looking to get back something that you may have lost or may have not had, then we could talk about this. And she she wanted to she said, JB, look, she looked at me, I said, I want to get back, I want to win, I want to get back to winning, I want to get back to this and that. She said all the right things that that I was looking for. You know, it's not just with the conversation, just the way she looked and the way she positioned herself. I I look at everything. Body language tells me everything. You know, it tells me more than, it tells me more than what your mother gonna tell me. You know, so I I look at every little thing because all of it matters.
0: It all matters, and, and like you said, the mouth can say one thing, but the ring is the ring of truth. So you a can't yardage. lie in a boxing ring. That's why I love the sport. It's the know? truth,
1: sir. I tell it's, it's, everybody. It's all
0: you know. Every you, fighter can say in the it press has, conference, "It's the best camp of my career." Exactly. Well, we're gonna find out.
1: Yeah. It, even gonna, if it is the best camp of career, if yeah. you can't perform, then there's a problem. If we're gonna find say, out. If you if you a liar, you, if you are a liar, and you say, "Oh, you will see, you will see how ferocious I am when the bell rang. If you don't show, if that lion don't show up, that's a true song. I mean, you're not that. You
0: gotta find it out in the ring. And, um, you know, Cecilia, like you said, she took many years to collect those belts and become undisputed at, at welterweight, um, changed the game in her home of Norway. Um, and now she's fighting Terry Harper, who also has, uh, you know, real reason to, to want to do it. She holds the the WBA. The, it's the vacant WBO. This is a big fight for both women. This is a fight that was supposed to happen before. Um, so now it is. So how do you feel? Do you, I mean, obviously, Cecilia's a little bit older. Um, you know, there's a great adage that, you know, great fighters can always come back for that, for that one great performance. Do you think it's that or do you think she's really still on the level?
1: I I just think she's still hungry. And I think skill-wise, I believe she's better. I believe she's better, and um, than Harper. And um, along with the, her skill set, her mindset, and the fact that she's really hungry to be back, um, having the titles right around her waist, because this is the longest in her career since she first turned pro that she walked to the ring without a title. Yeah. You know, she's used to once once you get a title, you get a you get addicted to it. You get used to. It. You get immune to having titles. You know, you get immune to it. And when you don't have them no more, it's not the same. So it 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 re it re urges you almost to want to go to want that feeling again. And um, that's what she has. She has the feeling of wanting to. Um, she wants she want her titles back. She feels she was born to be a champion. And, you know, she wanted to get her titles. And as long as she keep that that mindset versus that skill set, I think she would be okay. Well, it's a fight I can't wait to see, and I'm glad that they, they
0: made it. Same way. I'm glad that they made it for, for both women. I think both women really fancy
1: this fight. Yeah, of course. I think Terry Harper is going to pull out everything she can to win this fight. Of course, you no, know, but um, unfortunately, I, I don't think it's just gonna be enough. Do you know Steffi at all? Her trainer, Steffi Bull. Um, I don't know. Um, so I can't say I do. I don't. I don't know. Um, but, uh I don't. I, again, I don't see. Um, I I see Terry giving everything she can, and I think by the fifth round she cause she's gonna she's gonna hear the words all right listen we need every round you gotta do something you gotta you gotta go over there and hit her hard as you can or this and that but i think she would be um i believe she will be out out skilled and possibly outclassed. It's another thing i love
0: about you just you know first of all i think as a fighter you're a very technical fighter very good fighter but like and you have plenty of knockouts what, i think you have 19 knockouts or something like that um, but like, I feel like you were never out looking for the knockout. And as a trainer, you're not teaching them to go knock people out. You're teaching them to box, to win rounds.
1: And if it comes, then you put it on them. I mean, the, the goal, the goal, I think the best way to finish a fight is always to knock you up on opponent because you just don't know. Cause some you can't leave it to the judges. Some, some like boxing is such a beautiful sport but everybody say this this is the common denominator no matter what rules meeting you go to what commission you talk to everybody say i'll oh, be the 10 point must system so my question is you got a 10 point must system so there is no theory in judging fights it's all about your feeling and when you go off feeling that's when you got something that's messed up, because if you got a guy who's pressing, who's walking towards the opponent, and he's walking towards the opponent, but the one that's backing up is landing the most punches, I feel, if I'm a judge and I feel that the one who's pressing, the pressing towards his opponent, I feel that he's he's the aggressor, so he's making the fight, so I can mm. give him that round. That's I feel that way, but it's wrong. (laughs) You know, and, and if you go by copy box numbers to see who hit, if I hit you 100 times more than more than you hit me, shouldn't I be winning the fight? But no, I can very well lose the fight because the system of what I what the judges feel, I feel Bad, yeah, but but, but
0: but we're not going with clickers, right? This is not the amateurs. I right? agree. So 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 what? That's happened, why I say copybox box now. So what happens? So what happens? But even copybox not. Look, shout out to copybox, Love those guys. Yeah, same, you know, same, same. novios, and this, I love this, those this guys. This is no
1: dish to nobody. Right, but just, this is a conversation.
0: Right, but like, what happens if, if 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 let's say we're boxing, I'm touching you, but when you maybe you hit me less, but when you hit me, <sighs> you're hurting me. The real punches. Okay, I'm just tippy tapping you, but you really you whipping the body. You hit, you know, so then.
1: See, and mm-hmm. that's another thing. If if I hit you ten times, in the round, or not, if I hit you 150 times in one in the round, and you hit me once, and it looked like it was a damaging blow, but you didn't drop me, but it's obvious that you hurt me. And the round over with, you win that round. That one, that one power punch, it just erased all my, all the seventy-one punches, seventy-one times I hit you.
0: The way I love to judge a fight, who would I rather be at the end of that round? You know, you watch, you watch the, the the round as as its own round. Who would I rather be? And like you said, if a guy touched me seventy-one times but it didn't hurt, but then I, you know, you 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 give someone a massive punch, a big ham sandwich that they ate, that's. You know what I mean? I'd rather be that guy. I'd rather be the
1: guy that hit you seventy one times. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't I couldn't put myself in that. I never thought of. I mean, it's a, of a little bit of, of, a, like a, that. of I never, a big juxtaposition. I never tried but... to put myself in that in that in that in that scenario, or in that position. But I just like usually, if you got a guy, if you land three power shots every round, and you hit me, let's say you hit me ten times. And out of the 10, three was power shots. And I hit you 30 times. None of them was power shots. You know, 9 out of the 10, you'd be in the league. I think it depends a lot
0: on, there's different numbers and also the level of hurt. And it also depends on the opinions of. It does correct, you know. So that's one I of the say, things, man. Man, That's look, why
1: I say there's there's no there's no written rule. But to listen, it.
0: listen, man. I know you probably like other sports too, like me. I love. Of course, I love all I kinds love of sports. sports okay, man. so let's talk about NFL. Let's talk about NBA. Every play you could have holding, right? Let's say it's the end of the game and you have a superstar in the NBA driving the paint. It, you can call a foul on it, and, and so this is. It's, it can there's a subject subjectivity to it in in the major league now they've changed it with the, the strike zone, right? But 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 blue, calling you know, and and this is part of the, what I used to love about baseball, is the catcher, calling a game and a pitcher throwing a game where he's trying to guy push a guy off the plate so that he can throw a, a a pitch that maybe he's 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 painting he's right. painting the zone, you know, and and so there is that subjectivity to it. Um, but in boxing unfortunately sometimes we've seen some some terrible decisions that are just you know you don't have to be a, a master right, I mean, a boxing scientist
1: to to see who wins somebody's fight what makes it different to me because these are these are one on one competitive competitive sports and i think boxing is the only sport that you don't have to have a background in it to um to commission it or judge it. And I think that's the that's the biggest issue. Uh, again, I said it once. I said it in the beginning. I'm not calling out no commission or no judges. Of course, of course, you course know not. What I'm saying of course this not. This is just, it's just conversation. But at the same time, when you go to when you go to anything else on a on a professional level of a sport, you know, most people have to have some type of background to get this particular job. But the sport we love don't you don't need a background. And it is the sport we
0: love. Um and we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not a perfect sport. There's a lot of there's a lot of problems with the sport, but at the same time, at the end of the day, uh we love the fights and
1: I mean we love it. We love the fights, we love the sport. Like even the bad decisions, at some point. A uh, part of us love the bad decisions because if we didn't love it, yeah, I don't we wouldn't deal that, with it. No I don't know, but, uh,
0: you know, what you know, I'm
1: saying a part, a part of uh, it's subconsciously. You know, what I'm saying if it go honestly, I hate, on, it. If honestly, it, if, I hate if it. It, it, go it, it hurts way, me. It hurts my heart. We, we, kind of, we kind, but we still accept it because it's inside the sport we love. You know, so if, 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 if you got, if you got um, a person that you love, and inside her insides is is hurt you still love her and you just gotta get her better. Well, you know but I'm like saying? you said, you, you gotta, gotta get her better. You still you wanna your, try to get right, her better, but I'm you saying. wanna try you to make her better. And that's what a dialogue and, like this and is. And that's what this conversation is. Correct. That's, only, that's it, the only purpose of this conversation. Exactly,
0: and, and, as a trainer, and as a trainer or as a fighter, you can only control what you can control. 100%. You can't control judges or this idea. So that's why it comes down to winning each round, doing the best you can, and like you said, don't leave it to to the judges. The best way to end a fight, of course, is a knockout. But the best way to get a knockout is not to go in looking for a knockout, right? Because you do that, going looking for, I you know, go you reach, wing-a, they wing-a, teach. Wing-a, you reach, they teach. So you, you want to go in with the fundamentals, box, again, technical background like you have, and then set
1: it up. Let it come. Uh, I mean, that's the most important. I mean, some people, some people have the ability to, to be able to to strategize and go get a knockout but if for them to be able to strategize and go get it it goes into another technical side that you have to know what to do to go to be able to go get it you want it but you don't wing for it every single time you don't you don't let the crowd know that oh this is what I'm trying to do I'm winging I'm winging and winging it because that's what I'm you probably won't good yeah so it looks like
0: our producer Scott is off camera, freaking out. He always does this every episode and I love to see the guy sweat. He he wants he wants that we we gotta start cutting. We gotta wrap it up. We gotta start wrapping it up. But before we do, um we do this uh thing called fan questions. Would you be okay to answer some fan questions? Listen, I have no issue. All right, great. Let me let me see what we got. I just flew in from Romania and I have not seen this. So I don't know what they are. <laughs>
1: Well, that's the only both. I was the saying to you. But... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I haven't seen any of you, but you have to answer them. I just have to read Right. <laughs> All right, let's see. No, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. All right, here, fan questions. Marcus Harrison asks, you boxed Andre Ward in and the amateurs. Just how good was he back then?
1: Um. Yeah, Andre Ward was good. Just as good as he is now. He, I mean, he got better over time, obviously, you know, but um, he was he was always a good fighter.
0: There's, I mean, Andre Ward. For I love Andre Ward. Huge fan of Same here. Same here. I was always been a huge fan of him. He to me, he was that guy that that took what you did well and took it away from you. You know, he he was able to disarm fighters. I agree. Did he do that to you? I agree. Um,
1: I don't think so. Tell us
0: about I that mean, fight. I what mean. happened? I don't, I don't think so. Do you remember where the fight was?
1: Uh, Colorado Springs it was oh, in the USA, Um, yeah. USA uh, the, Nationals. Yeah, the Nationals. It yeah, was in USA Nationals and um. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, we just—I mean—the thing about it, 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 I thought it was closer than what it was, but they only gave me like one point for the whole for the whole fight. But um, you know, I thought it was a good fight, you know. But at the same time, um, Andrew Ward is definitely Andrew Wood. He's a—he's a heck of a boxer.
0: Man, he also has such a great boxer. mind. I loved his commentary with ESPN. Yeah, he's
1: very—he's—he's and... very. He's, he's I... very he's, He's very intelligent. He really is. He's really, really intuitive when it comes to boxing. He really I've is. I've always been, uh, like I said, I've always yeah. been a fan of Andre Ward. Me too, and
0: shout out to Andre, and I hope he lands in, a, in a, another great position. I'm, I'm sure love, he will. I love hearing what he has to say. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Okay, uh, Peter P. asks, if there's just one bit of Manny Stewart advice that lives on and still rings true to this day, what would it be?
1: i get the win, fix all the rest of the stuff later, get the win. I mean, it's just, it's it's so, so, I mean, it's so many things that he said to live true, you know, to this day, but the main thing is, you know, he said, listen, you get the win, whatever you, whatever complaint you have, fix it next time. The whole most important part is getting the win. So that's that's always been a key essential is um we'll get in the way. I love that champion oh, mindset.
0: Yeah. Absolutely love that. And the final question is from at Arky asks Who would you say the best heavyweight of this millennium is
1: and why? This millennium? So that's what I don't know. Tested twenty question. Twenty twenty. <laughs> You said up to what? The last twenty-three oh, this million, years, yes, to so
0: the last from the t- oh, from two thousand on, I
1: guess. Yeah, I did here. I can't. I can't go off. I, I would be. That would be almost ruled to, because you can't put this one above this one, this one above. Because you got you look how many people you got in twenty-three years. You got Linux. You know, you got uh, Vitaly. You know, you got a lot of I mean, still you still got who? Um uh, who who was who was um what year did Foreman lose to um, Briggs? I thought he won it, but Oh wow. What year was that? I don't remember. That was after two thousand, wasn't it? I don't I don't remember. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember, you remember either. Scott?
0: No, he don't remember it.
1: I, I remember the that Michael Moore fighter.
0: Yeah, I'm saying. Of course, I remember watching
1: that fight. So that was after 2000. So it's too many. It's too many to choose from. What do you think about
0: right now? Who's the best of the pile right right now,
1: now? The 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 absolute best. You you can't you can't start stacking them without having Tyson Fury leading the charge, simply because he defeated everyone he faced. He's still champion. He overcome. He he him that knockdown in the last round with with Wilder, which I don't know how he got up from that. You know, so you have to give Tyson. Tyson have to be Tyson Fury have to be able to lead the charge as the heavyweight is like right now, because of his resume, and he's still undefeated. And I think he's the only outside of Usyk, but he's the only he's the only Tyson Fury is the only reigning champion that's undefeated, And the heavyweight division. Well, outside. Condola. That's what I'm saying, outside. Of yeah, outside. 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 Yeah. Because Usyk just got there. Yeah. You know, he just got heavyweight champion. But outside of Usyk, Tyson Fury is the only reigning heavyweight champion that is undefeated. So.
0: But it is frustrating, right? When when because in the heavyweight division, in any division, you know, and we said we saw with the four kings, certain guys can beat certain guys, but that guy can't beat that guy. So just because you beat him doesn't mean you could be. You know. And that's what makes it so great. It's the mixing and matching of these fighters that makes it so intriguing. That is true. And that's why it's so important that these fights happen for the sport that we love. Yeah, for the sport that we love. For, for us and for the fans. Yeah. and um, I just want to say, Jonathan, it's such an honor to sit with you, man. I've known you for a lot of years. Yeah, exactly. And Good. and it's just... Um, Man, you, uh, you, you're a great
1: dude, man. I remember when you were small time. Yeah, I still am small. Did we just <laughs> no, you're not. listen, man. You're, not, you're big time now. Nah. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely you definitely big time. But you are too, baby. You are you too. You definitely big time. You can go in and, and, and say what you are. I want this, I want that, I want that. But back then, you was just happy to be in the building. So, but it's, 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 it's the beauty of it is we was able to see each other grow. Yeah. And that's, that's the best thing. That you can do is if when you're around people and you steady see them grow, you know it's a, um that's one of the most beautiful things about life. I agree with me, and I'm and I'm so proud
0: of you, man. And same here. And I'm, I'm glad to you. be I able to call you a friend, and I appreciate it. Thank it. And you. ladies and gentlemen out there this weekend, Sheffield, England, uh, two world title fights. Obviously, uh, Terry Harper versus Cecilia Bracus and uh, Wood versus Warrington, which is going to be just a a, a tear up. Um, episode 72, this is a wrap with the great Jonathan Banks. Uh, Match from Ready with David Diamante. We'll see you next time.